Well, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Two Guys Fixing the World. My name is Mark Stallard and with me is my good friend Ryan Jans. How are you doing, old chum? I'm doing great tonight there, Mark. Uh, We are in the home stretch of our Senate series, uh, coming up on our last and final episode. Uh, Today we're not going to have as as much information heavy as we have been for the last uh, couple episodes. This is going to be a lot of opinions and uh, a lot of uh, our thoughts on on actual uh, reformation of the Senate or fixing the Senate. So it's actually going to be two guys fixing the Senate. Yes, we're fixing. Crack the knuckles and... Ooh! Ow! Jesus! Oh, that was lovely. That was lovely. Uh, We just lost lost a whole load of viewers. We lost a whole load of listeners now because of that. All right. So don't forget, everyone, um, you can catch um, all the details of the, uh, the, the shows and uh, the show and uh, past shows at uh, fixingtheworld.ca. Um, so uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share, or whatever you crazy kids are doing these days. Um, okay, so I want to, um, yeah, so we are fixing the Senate um, with, a t- with a, an episode t- entitled Rather cool title. Well done, well done, Ryan. Catching a leak. Sorry, catching. I'll start again. Patching a leaky ship with bubble gum and cork board. It's way better the way you wrote it rather than the way I said it. <laughs> That's all right. We made it through. <laughs> um, so I, I, uh, what, I guess it, it, it does come into there. We we talked about Senate scandals. We talked about conflicts of interest. Uh, obviously, we have a leaky ship. Uh, and the reason that we get passionate about stuff like this is because of the idea of a second rereading and uh, review of law is important. It is actually very important. And it, it actually could be a very effective way for uh, us to, us as a nation, to pass law that benefits all Canadians, not just the rich and powerful and elite and people who have rich buddies. It's a. It could actually do what it's supposed to do. It just doesn't. So, yeah. uh, without some further ado, we're going to take a look and see. Uh, Mark, first question: Should the Senate be saved? No. Um, and, uh, <laughs> All uh, right. Thanks everybody for joining us. Like, subscribe, and share. <laughs> and um, yeah. And it's time the junior. Oh no, I see. All right. Sorry, the closing music. Anyway, whatever. Um, no, I think that um, I don't see anything other than the purpose for it being there, which the the, the reason, the the big reason that we're given why it's there, makes sense. I'm just not seeing. Any benefit in keeping the system as it's or keeping this um, as an institution as it is? Because I, I'm not sure what we would really do. Can we patch it? Is there anything that we can keep? That's a, that's a value. Is there anything that uh, that is that it's doing that we can say, yeah, that's the that's the thing we want to keep, and we just change the things around it. And it goes to um, an old biblical uh, proverb, proverb, right? Was uh, yeah, um, you can't um, patch um, an old wine skin with with new leather. Or with a new patch, because mm. it shrinks, it'll break, and you you end up with a bigger hole, right? Yep. yep. Um, yeah. And I, I I would tend to agree with you, and that also leads the um to the obvious question, uh, 
does the reform of the Senate demand reform of the par- parliamentary process? Does it? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that um, I would put it that way. But okay. I think both so, of them. So let's unpack that. Let's. Uh, what, what do sure. you think? Well, you know, it's. I, I think it's more of a. Um, do both of them need to be reformed or changed? Yes, I, and there was, maybe it was just the way that you um, you, you phrased the question. Perhaps the order of things should be um, that the the laws are created and then it gets filtered through. So to say that um, should the Senate, you know, I mean, it's the way you worded it, it was kind of backwards. So. Okay. Um, but I don't think one necessarily precludes the other. We could have a perfectly functioning um, a, a government, government, you know, a, a lower house, and we could have a really corrupt and non-functional upper house, and, and vice versa. Right? That they mm-hmm. they are supposed to be separate. Um, yeah. So that's. I think that we are in the state we're in because the system was set up to be biased. The system wasn't set up, just like it is in the UK, where um, where the Queen, uh, you know, where the Queen selects the House, and the whole idea was that, yeah, we had the House of Commons, we had the Commoners ruling, but then you got to have the unelected Lords, literally the House of Lords. We had to have the Lords, the the landowners, the people that owned the property that, that had the power. They're the ones um, who are then to vet what the little people do and the insignificant, and they are, they can change and block stuff if they want to. You know, daddy, parents looking after the, the children, really. That's kind of the uh, condescending way I kind of feel about it. Now, it is a condescending yeah. system. That's not a, that's not an, un, un, I think yeah, there's lots of people that share that opinion. And, uh, and what little I know about British Parliament, um, that would tend to also fall in line with what, what I view there. But we're here to talk mostly Canadian politics, but we do have some crossover here. Um, I think the Senate is necessary, but I think in the form that it is, just like you do, it's, it's, I think it's almost broken beyond repair. Yeah. Um, I pose these questions to get the, the ball rolling. Um, so the question is, um, and when we talk about things like electoral reform or any type of reform, should we be just scrapping it and starting anew? Or should we we try and salvage what's there? Well, if I'm salvaging a chamber that's um, that's ha- is full of, of representatives that are uh, or full of senators that are uh, appointed by people that I didn't necessarily vote for, and who are not acting in the in the best interest of the area they supposedly represent, then I don't think they're worth having. So, um, yeah, we do have some some thoughts about how to change that, but I think we should probably camp on this one a little bit more and sort of flesh out this idea here. Yeah, or, we, or we, maybe, well, we got a, we, well, we have a, I mean, a system that's um, that that the, the people of Canada, um, however we define those, do not have any say in who's, uh, you know, in who's in that position. So, I mean. To, to, to joke, to, I mean, to be serious and say Canada's a democracy is a joke when you've got it when we have an unelected Senate. You know, mm-hmm. even if they do let most of the laws go through, um, they have it in their power to to block them. Right? We're not going to. And, and when you've got any situation where you've got unelected people that have a veto, 
even though a group of people have to vote that group of people have to vote on it, then you don't have a democracy by definition. Mm-hmm. So any so, system, yeah. any system that that has unelected people making decisions, now they make bad decisions. Democracy, then. Yeah, I mean, what, what happens if what happens if we have a whole load of idiots in there who steal money um, and expenses and stuff? You know, uh, what what can we do to get rid of them? Well, we actually do have a whole bunch of idiots in there who yep. steal money and and, it, and that's why I said it. Um, but, but how do we how do we get them out? We can't get them out. They're not they're not get outable. At least with. The lower house, we have at least the uh, the uh, the facade or the pretension that we can vote someone else, even though it's really impossible to get someone, really difficult rather, to get an elected official out. But at least we've got the semblance of the possibility of doing it. There isn't even the hope in the Senate. They're there and they're there. I'm not even sure what the life uh, the lifespan is of a um, of the position there in the, the Senate. The position is held for life. Excellent. Is held. For, yes, it is. That's one of the things that we forgot Fan- to mention. That position Fantastic. is held for life until you either retire or you, um, I think it's age seventy-five. Okay. That's the life. Okay. So if you so that's forty-five years. If you went in at thirty, yep. and you and you held it for life, you were you were seventy-five. You you're in there for forty years. Yeah. That's insanity. And if yep. you're corrupt, which a lot of them are, 40 years of corruption. Yep. With no chance of the people of Canada getting parole. Yeah. Right? We're stuck exactly. with them. Exactly. We are being punished. Um, yeah. So that's uh, – yeah, oh, so I'm, I'm not really sure. Uh, is there any way we can save that system? And I would have to agree with you. I think yeah. at this point it, it kind of has to be torn down and rethought um and we have to come up with better qualifications and better things yeah so then the question then becomes um and this is this was actually written wrong in my notes and i apologize for that mark there's a statement here or it was a question it's like should parliament write laws to appease senators no that's what's going to happen if this system can continues you're not writing the laws for the benefit of the people you're writing them for the benefit of your uh your ace in the hole, so to speak, the guy who's for sure going to say, yeah, no, this is fine. Let's send it back down to Parliament so that they can ratify it. Yeah, we've got, um, along those lines, we have the the problem um, that it's the people in power that have put these people into power, um, and they, you know, there's a whole idea of uh, reciprocity. So you're more likely to do something for someone if they've done something to you for you, rather, uh, regardless of how small that is. Right? This is documented in uh, a lot of social science studies. Um, so if something's coming down the pipe, and particularly if you know currently we have a liberal prime minister, and that liberal prime minister just happened to put these particular people into that position, they're more likely to vote for him than not. Because mm-hmm. they gave him, because he gave them, or the Liberal Party gave them their position. And that's a dangerous place. That's a dangerous place to be, with, particularly with people with potentially so much power. Who can't get out, right? Or well, we can't, can't get, get out. out by any, we can't get them yeah. out. Who, who are in there for a minimum of 40 years. And so now we don't have a, a way to get somebody out who isn't just going to vote 
basically yep. vote for whoever's going to give them what they want. Yeah, I just want to clarify. Uh, I just wanted to correct you there. Uh, a, min- a maximum of uh, 40 years. So, yeah, you were correct. Maximum. Yeah. Just in case, you can just see the comments. Um. Yeah. <laughs> it won't be the first time that people will correct me in the comments. I am well aware of that, and I'm happy to uh, yeah. be corrected as long as it's actually corrected. Right. Corrective. Right, so. Yeah. So in that, in line with that, then a question for you. Then um, they're there for they're there effectively for life, um, if not literally, at least effectively. Um, should senators be a term position then, assuming we keep them on? Um, you know, I okay. Yeah. So was there anything else you're going to add to that before I launch? No. Nope, no. That was that was my main. You had some other comments. You had some other a list at yeah. the end. But that's yeah. Should it be a term position? Would that be better? I think so. I think if you have a rotating term. And you fill it uh, with um, a mix of all parties. It's required. So if you if you have a party who who gets seats after you get a certain number of qualifying seats, right? You now have to send one person from that. So if you have, um, I'm just thinking. I'm just spitballing here. So we have 333 seats in our okay. house. I think right. Anyways, sure. doesn't matter. I'll take you word for it. Yes. Yeah, it's around 300 <laughs> seats. Um, if you if you have a certain number of if you're over 20, you have to elect one person from your party to go sit in the Senate. Okay. And um, obviously, that's going to cater. That's not the best solution, but it's at least a better solution. Mm-hmm. And you'd have to write things like caps. So, like, if you have 171 seats to form your major, major majority. Uh, government. <laughs> <laughs> lost, lost again. Yeah, that was the, that was the, that was the stream. Everybody, we uh, were uh, were streaming. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's right. That was some technical. Even even though we're, we're not streaming, making. but 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 you'd have to have caps so that your majority doesn't send five five people. Uh, so you you each person has to send one so that you have or or, or something along those lines. Or you do it the other way. If you have a low amount of seats, you send more sen- people to the Senate so that your voices can actually be heard in the review process, right? right. You sort of turn that on its ear. There's there's ways that you can can do it. Right. Um, any any thoughts on that, Mark? Yeah, that sounds incredibly undemocratic. Um, if you've got <laughs> um, if you've got um, you know, stick with the party system, and uh, we have a majority government. But we, the second house is going to be full of, you know, parties that oppose them, who weren't elected into that position. Are we? How are we in any better position than we were with people who were selected? Um, particularly, I mean, you can see how how it works um, in uh, the U.S. currently, where stuff's getting, you know, stuff potentially gets blocked by one party or the other, depending. Particularly if the house is elected. You know, one side is Republican, the other side is uh, Democrat, and we've had the same thing happen in um, uh, the United Kingdom as well, where Brexit's been blocked at every every. Uh, you know, the votes on Brexit has been been blocked. So, because you've got one one group of people that don't want it um, over another, and so when you've got those kinds of, uh, although the the British version is not quite the same kind of idea, but if you've got two, two opposing houses, nothing is going to get through. It's mm-hmm. it will be the same thing as having um, a minority government. You know, it's what we mentioned actually in the um, um, I think how, which show it was, but uh, it was when you know, I said to my two, and I said to my dad, 
when I said, yeah, when I said to my my dad was, uh, uh, well, when I was younger, you know, um, this will be, you know, the 1970s. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, I, and my knives, they said, well, why can't we just have both parties or all the parties in there and they can just uh, talk it out and come up with the best. At the naivety, nothing will get done. Mm-hmm. Right? And that was a bit of an eye-opener for me, that they won't do anything. And, and so I don't want to see that as being... Um, and I think that doesn't also doesn't um, take into account the point of that that house. Um, are they representing the people? Are they representing the parties? Mm-hmm. Correct. Right. And so we've already discussed that parties don't necessarily have their people. No. And again, for, just for the sake of the arguments, we're talking about the Senate, not not uh, uh, the House yeah, of Commons, no right? Not the, so. Yeah. Um, so was, so then. Uh, I, and I'm willing to to uh, concede the, the the weakness of my my point. What would you what would you suggest then, as a as a mechanism to keep that level of, um, I don't want to call it corruption because then this is corruption, but yeah. that level of apathy of of governmental apathy. Right. Well, we got it. First of all, uh, they they have to be voted in. There has to be short terms, um, and each seat should be up for grabs by anybody that wants to run party or independent um and they, they have to be and, and you know they they would be challenged and no one gets to and there should be uh, some kind of primary within the party um so that members of the party and however they do it uh, vote on who would have that seat just like they just like they, they uh have started to do now in um well they, they, they currently do for the most part in the u.s we, we hear about it a lot right with the presidential uh, primaries uh, it's starting to happen a little right. bit in the uk as well i don't i don't think that happens here if you you're an mp you don't get challenged by your own party and i think that no. i think i think no, that's, you pretty, the only time you get challenged is when you do something wrong yeah and the people should be the people in in the party or uh however it, i don't know regard let them I'm not sure how how it should be done but they should be challenged and they should have to run for every term they shouldn't just be given a free run to represent that, that party or that particular area because you get someone that's stuck in you get career career politicians and career politicians stop caring they stop caring about the people that they're supposed to be serving uh, if yep. they ever cared before so what i would yeah. see so what i would see for a second house um is a completely different system so you would have something that has to be ethically um and completely separate and um from the, the from the House of Parliament, right from the second House, it has to be you have to have a different parties, different organisations with different leaders. Um, so then there would be no there would be um, no collusion would be allowed between the parties if they have um, you know if they see eye to eye on certain things, fine, but there cannot be any direct collusion between those parties. There must be walls, almost literal walls between those two. And then we run elections off for the Senate. And you know, we would obviously change the rules on qualifications and what disqualifies. Now, the reason I say that is because uh, it's the mess that the UK is in. i just seen recently, again, I may have mentioned this in the previous show, um, but they have a system where they've got um, ca- uh, local council governments, and that's in a, they have boroughs. Um, so you'll have a, uh, maybe a, a town or two uh, certainly a whole lot of surrounding villages, that would be a borough, uh, which then you'll have multiple, many, many boroughs inside a, a county council, and then you'd have your uh, uh, your federal government, as uh, we would call it, not 
not sure you call it the central government anyway. So it's and they have the they have their parties. There are multiple parties. Um, there's really only two parties: uh, the Labour and Conservatives. Uh, the Lib Dems are the next biggest one, but they're never going to form a form a major government. And neither are any of the other parties, regardless of. Uh, yes, you can look at us and say, "Oh, look, we all have three parties. How great that is!" And the US only has two. Well, we effectively have two parties. But yeah. in the UK, that it's the same party for all three levels of government. And so, if you've got a conservative um, council, if you've got a conservative, a conservative, um, sorry, if you're a conservative borough council, you've got a conservative county council and a conservative prime minister, Boris Johnson runs the whole damn country from top to bottom, rather than just the federal. Mm -hmm. We have the same, effectively the same government. So when you've got policies, ideologies that are driving these people. That goes right down to the bottom, right down, and so you're not really running yourself. You're, it's, you've got with they right now. I've got Boris Johnson running specific towns. Effectively, he is the leader of that town, whether you like it or not. And we don't want that. We that that's just so rife for corruption and for pushing through nasty ideology that. Um, that Theresa May, who was the previous uh, prime minister, decided that they're going to take on the. Um, the same thing that the North American, you know, both Canada and the US have been trying to fix elections by putting these voter ID laws on. So thousands of people stopped, were unable to vote, and they were able to force that at the borough council level because the people at the top were running the running the place. It's insane. So anyway, right, I'm, I'm, I'm going way off on a tangent there. But <laughs> the point is, it has to be separate. The part, if we're going to go with the party system, they have to be separate parties that are not allowed to have any connection with each other at all. And if they do, then they must be dissolved. Um, you know, prosecutions and all that. There can't be any collusion. Yeah. And then that's now, the, the only that's the only the way question, you're going to. Uh, then the question is okay. So I, I and I I actually don't think that's a bad idea, but uh, just to throw a, a spin on that, would it be a good idea for uh, a term position for, like, say, a judge or a, a, a particular type of jurist uh, to fill that in, even on a short-term basis. Right? How do you mean? How do you mean? Um, so instead of instead of having uh, a different party system, okay. you look at your circuit court judges, right, okay. at all tier levels, and say that uh, because this is ab about passing law, and judges should know law. You take a judge out of the circuit court, uh, just one from every or, or a couple from every layer um, at random, and they serve in the Senate for one session, and then they go back, and then they come back, and, and, and obviously you can't make sure that they, they're not tied up in, in major trials and stuff like that, right, especially when you get to things like Supreme Court, but would it be better to have jurists serve in that senatorial position instead of electing a senator uh, to serve in that position. I, I kind of like the, the direction of taking that. Um, I would say not to jurors and because I think there's at least two, at least one of these two people who are presenting the show has found a way out of being a, a real juror. Um, <laughs> okay, fair uh, enough. Guess who that is? Um, yeah, um, it's not me because I've never been called <laughs> So There's only one other person. So, so yeah. So when you select, particularly when it comes with uh, um, no pay, or you know, I've got to take a pay cut, right? And, and I'm not keen to do it. Um, so yeah, there. So there are problems with that. I mean, and then you've got uh, 
Um, if we do then have jurors and we're paying you a lot more than you're making now, um, how long they're going to do it for? Are they going to have a job when they when they're done and all that other stuff? Um, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so there are lots of other things. But what I do like though is um, what you kind of got me thinking about. I just just thought of this. I'm sure somebody else has kind of thought of about something on the long. And nothing. There's nothing new under the sun. Someone else has probably already come up with this. But <laughs> wouldn't it be best we have a we have a, a Supreme Court? That's all great. That uh, wouldn't it be best to have a uh, a house of um, yeah? Again, uh, they should be elected and they should be short terms. Um, um, yeah, we can have some. We have lots and lots of rules around that because there are problems with t- having, but having more of judges that are there to um, the judges and you know lawyers, just like we would have with the Supreme Court, who are there to vet the laws to see how legal it is, and maybe a filter to to see how this is going to affect and who who is going to be affected by this and what the the real outcomes likely to be. So more of a mm-hmm. scientific approach rather than a. Uh, an emotional, political approach is what we would likely get so, in a party. Effectively, using the pure, the 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 scientific, the in, uh, the inductive scientific method of peer to peer supported research, instead mm-hmm. of using senatorial and house laws and having two uh, functioning bodies of the of government, right. you actually have experts who come in and and review the law. Yeah, and and, that, so, and, and that's the question that that we had sort of. Or, or not the question, but the thing that we had sort of really harped on, man, you don't have to have a law degree to be a senator, but you mm. are going to review law. Right. So, and if you're essentially being paid, and I say that you can't see me do this, but I'm doing the air quotations, being paid <laughs> by the party that has the most interest or being appointed by the pay, by the party that has the most interest in you, you aren't actually going to look very closely at that law. And you are only beholding to the people who put you there, not the people who elected the official who put you there. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and it becomes more of a, I don't want to say a civil service role, because I don't like the idea of that either, but it would be more yeah. of you know, look, looking at this from a just a le- purely legal view with uh with an you know with with a, a um a leaning to the the what the logical outcomes are, are likely to be you know and mm-hmm. you know and there are going to be lots of gray areas um but yeah this is legal this is not going to um overturn any other laws and this is not going to take away certain rights like voting voting rights right so if you do the these are uh, voter id laws they seem quite simple and seem quite reasonable and you realize how hang on but the voter id laws actually cut a big chunk of the population out from voting right that's the kind of mm-hmm. thing that this is being done for good reasons that is not going to take away other people's rights and uh you know and and hurts the, the, the majority um yeah so something along those lines again i for the the for the listener i haven't uh, uh just kind of running with this as it came to me but uh um yeah something like that kind of appeals to me right not, not set on it the but other yeah. mechanism that i have written down here um should it be mandatory if we're if we're not going to move to the what we had just talked about which i think is a, is a far superior than obviously because i you know i dreamed it up obviously i love it but i think it also it offers a, a very balanced type of situation but 
should it be mandatory for the Senate to have representatives from all parties? Period. Yeah, yeah, I think I've kind of answered that one already. Um, yeah, I think you have. Let's just yeah. flesh it out a little bit more. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it's... The the world is made up with way more than parties, do we say? Um, yeah, the independents that run. So do we have uh, a selection of independents? Uh, how, and if we're going to say yes, we should have a selection of independents because there are probably hundreds of independents running that don't get in, but should they be represented here? Um, it's kind of difficult, right? And then, so mm-hmm. who's going to be there? It's just going to be the big two parties. They're the ones that are going right. to have the most, you know, if we're going to be proportional to the votes, they're the ones who are also going to be running the House. It just seems to be stacking. We, we may as well just not have a House if we're going to have a, a similar um, amount of people from the same parties or percentage, percentages in both Houses. Uh, we may as well not have the second one. Right. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I think I agree with you there. Again, it's just matter. It's not so much the uh, whether or not that mechanism is right. It's just a matter of exploring different mechanisms to yeah. to try and bring as much balance and representation because it is a good idea. It's always a good idea to revo- review law before it gets passed. Yeah. Uh, the last thing you want is for um, for governments to pass law when they shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, and so when you think about uh, – it's easy to pick on the states because their laws just get so public, publicized. Yeah, that's, the, that's it really, isn't it? If you look yeah. At, yeah uh, if you look at the Patriot Act, it's the easiest one to pick part because it was like, hey, we're going to sneak this law in that says, hey, we're going to give all these cooperative powers to, to the NSA and the CIA and the FBI, and we're all going to work and we're going to protect the nation by spying on – all its people's yeah. uh, will profile you. If we think you're yeah. bad, we're going to go in without a warrant. That needs review. Yep. And that needs to go to review. But they don't review it. And it's so easy. They use this emotional moment. Yes, America has been attacked. Yes, you need your security divisions and you're protecting homeland security and all that stuff that that's that's necessary if you've got legitimate threats but you can't you can't just arbitrarily arrest people without warrants right that needs to be out of there right yeah and and the language that it's written in is is just subject to such interpretation and the interpretation of high-paid lawyers who can who can uh who can protect the the Amer- America? But when you try to find the loophole in that, you're screwed. The reason you so, can't find the reason you can't find a loophole um, in a law that will benefit you is because it wasn't written into it. All loopholes right. are written into it. They're not accidental. They're not mistakes. Oh yes, that's that's for They're sure. Not mistake. Other if it was a mistake, it's not a loophole. That's right. And it right. will be fixed. Hey, hey, look. Then all of a sudden say, hey, we're going to fix capricious law here. <laughs> but it, uh, it benefited yeah. me, but yeah. now it benefits you. <laughs> so Yeah, then you'll get um, – um, we've already we've already seen that where we had the uh, conservatives fight here in Manitoba for uh, election terms, right? And then they went and completely disregarded it for the last election for no reason. Yeah. Just because, oh, because there was another election happening uh, as well, and blah, blah, blah. 
Well, uh, what ends up happening is he he was tactic. Okay, so we've talked about um, or at least we gave a preview of, of one of the topics that we'll talk about in in voting and tactical voting. Uh, he's Pallister here in Manitoba basically called a tactical election. My polls are good, but I may not be good in in another year, so I'm not going to pay attention to election terms. I'm just going to yep. call an election yep. because I have a better chance of getting yep. in. Yep. And there were laws put in place because the conservatives and, you know, not just the con big C conservatives, but little C conservatives are all, all care about um, the, the BS of fiscal um, responsibility, uh, which is another way of uh, taxing the poor and tax breaks for the rich. Um, and it was uh, um, uh, with the um they actually got it was able to get be it was able to be to have been written into law here in manitoba that if um the deficit is at a certain point the ministers and, and the uh, the elected officials cannot get a pay raise and so the the uh, ndp um a government that we had here for 17 odd years drove up the deficit and they stuck to the law as soon as Pallister comes in, he freezes minimum wage because there's a depression coming, and then completely overlooks and said, "Well, we didn't cause the uh, um, we didn't cause the uh, um, deficits to be so high. We should be punished." And so he gave himself uh, a twenty thousand dollar a year pay cut. Sorry, pay raise. Sorry, that's Nick pay cut conservative. Yeah, and so it's a twenty thousand dollar a year, which is effectively what um, one person on minimum wage. Would make in an entire year, um, yeah, so uh, but he overturned a law because it suited him. How did he get away with that? I don't know, um, because the the government isn't supposed to be there to enforce law; it's there to make it. So who's enforcing the law on the government? Well, I don't have an answer to that. But it's something we can maybe look into. <laughs> I don't, yeah, obviously, but, obviously, no one is, but uh, yeah, and and it really does. Um, and that that becomes a slippery slope because it, we all love this idea of of government oversight, okay, and regulatory boards. But who who looks at this? And I'll bring it back to even my industry. There was a huge controversy with the office of the fire commissioner here in Manitoba, right? They are the ultimate authority having jurisdiction in all of Manitoba. Uh, so how it basically shakes out is they have says, they set the rules, they tell us which standards we use. Um, for uh for inspections and and stuff on and fire protection and fire in, in uh enforcing fire codes there's a huge con controversy uh, a lot of it again coming down to expenses and and time fraud and and this is actually legit like bad like holy geez how did you get away with this and you realize that just everybody in the at the ofc was really um really complicit about it and and looked the other way when they should have been blowing the whistle right but who watches a government agency? The government agencies, especially one that say like the Office of the Fire Commissioner, where you don't really realize just how much they have their hands on. You go to a carnival, every single one of those rides has to be inspected to a standard by the Office of the Fire Commissioner. You go to a restaurant and there's a kitchen system that's protecting, mm -hmm. protecting the, uh, the deep fryer from starting on fire. There are standards in, in place that are answerable to the Office of the Fire Commissioner. Uh, in in the city of Winnipeg, it's Winnipeg Fire Prevention, but they work closely with the Office of the Fire Commissioner. Like, these are the people that we that are watching us for public safety, and it's really easy to pick on this because it's public safety, right? Yeah. 
you go into a shopping mall and uh, the exits are cluttered with shopping carts uh, from uh, the Safeway across the street, the Office of the Fire Commissioner or Winnipeg Fire Prevention is going to say you were in violation of the fire code. People cannot get out of the building if there's a fire, yep. right? That's really practical. Who stops the Office of the Fire Commissioner from taking bribes from uh, from other areas? Who's watching them? No. Who's well, watching? So, and, and then who watches the watchers of the watchers, right? So it it ultimately comes down to a certain point, yes, oversight is good. Uh, oversight is needed. Uh, but do you oversee the overseers? And who's qualified to do that? Right, um, and I mean, that'll be um, definitely, definitely a question worth asking. In, in regards to, um, you know, just the, the two examples I, I, I gave um, from Manitoba, it would just be a matter of upholding, just um, having a judge, a couple of qualified, yeah. just looking through the law. Is this the law? Is he breaking the law? Yeah, all right. Enforce it. And it doesn't have to be a body. It just needs to be someone that is versed in the law, can interpret it, get a couple, you know, get two or three people on it, and they can do a vote. Like, you know, kind of like a mini Supreme Court, if you like. Um, but, but we do that kind of thing all the time. You know, I mean, it happens, yeah. it happens all the time in the, in the various areas of, um, um, of government and um, the judicial system. Um, so, so it wouldn't be that much. To say, yeah, that's not that's not legal. You, if you want to do something different, you have to pass an act. You've got to pass an, an act in the house. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, and again, it was just just a handful of judges that just happened to be qualified to review this and you know and do their public, um, the, you know, the public scrutiny. Here it is. We've, we've examined it. Um, you know, they're going to be obviously people will um, could challenge it. Um, you know, someone questions, hang on, this is against, this is against the law here. You know, and then bang, let's have, let's have a little hearing. Yeah. And then it does also bring up that really interesting point. Government is there to make law. Are they there to follow it? Are well, they yeah. immune to that? Well, they're not there to right. enforce it, right? I mean, really, there are, there are yeah. cases where they would make a decision, bang, there's a law, but they're not the ones that are going to come break down your door and arrest you, right? Mm-hmm. Think about that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And right, and all the like the Manitoba Fire Code is is not incept created by the um, uh, the Office of the Fire Commissioner. They enforce that code. Yep. Manitoba Fire Code is created by the government of Manitoba. I think emergency services. It's it has court, mm-hmm. underwriters lab of Canada. There's a lot of national building code that's in there. Right. These are all laws for building buildings. Yeah. Right. But it's not the office of the fire commissioner who writes that law. It, they're the ones who enforce it. They're the agency that enforces it, right? They're making sure that right. exits are clear and that uh, this is what the definition of a fire detector is, and this right. is different the difference between this and that, and where they should be used and how that's applicable, yeah. right? And so they're the ones that enforce the code, but they don't necessarily create it. They may have a hand in creating it and saying that it, it due to experience, but that's all just part of the review review process, anyways. Due to experience, we say that this should be this way, and then they could write that as legislation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and uh, um, we definitely need reviews. We definitely need um, oversights. And yeah, I mean, who, who's watching the watcher? 
definitely <laughs> something that we need to um need to be considered. But I mean, these can't obviously be uh, reasons to to not do it or not. Right. Uh, you know, to not. So I, yeah, I think we've brought it down into land, and so to, to yep. finish off the theories on the on the uh, the Senate, we'll bring it back to a good old Homer Simpson quote uh, for Homer the vigilante, uh, saying, "Dad, if you are policing the police." Who polices then the police? Uh, I don't know. Goat's cart? I think I butchered, butchered that. Uh, <laughs> I think I butchered the quote, but I think we all know what I mean. Don't. Check it out. Homer the Vigilante uh, on, I guess, Disney Plus owns The Simpsons now. So, yep. um, so Monopolies. We need to talk about that as well at some point. <laughs> Just to... Yeah, we will definitely touch on that. Uh, <laughs> sure. uh, but anyways uh, thank you everybody for making us a part of your day thank uh, this you it's been Mark Stollard and Ryan Jantz we are two guys fixing the world and in this case two guys fixing the senate uh, we hope you've enjoyed this uh, series we make these for you and your interest of yourself and also for ourselves we just love talking politics hell yes uh, in, in sometimes ranting mm-hmm. politics well, so everything, best kind. <laughs> everything that we uh, everything that we research, we like to uh, be upfront and put it on on our website, uh, fixingtheworld.ca. Uh, like, share, and subscribe. We are on all of your, should be on all, if not all, most of the uh, major podcast uh, platforms. I myself listen to our our program on Google, so that's a free plug for Google. To all two people who are listening to us aside from myself but um anyways like share and subscribe and we will see you on the next episode we'll see you later thanks so much for joining us cheerio he's gonna find you